What's up, guys? This is episode one of the Do It Live podcast. We have Danny Dreyer, our first guest and longtime soft lead homie. He was a MARSOC Raider, a recon Marine. He's been to Iraq, Afghanistan. He's competed in different fitness events, and he's great at talking shit. So give it a listen. If you like it, check it out on YouTube and IG. Dude, I'm so proud of you for where you've taken this company. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It's been a lot of work, you know, eight years of just kind of grinding it out. Hard work. Yeah, now, you know, I'm pretty fortunate I can afford the finer things in life. You know, like nice cars, a house, you know, not worried about bills. Thanks again for letting me drive this thing, dude. Yeah, man, I mean, it's kind of my baby. I don't really let just anybody drive like my vintage, you know, collection, but we've known each other a long time, so I feel pretty good about it. Classics, kind of my thing now. Classics are the thing. Yeah. This is the life, man. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what it's all about. (sighs) You know how important salt is? I, I do know how important salt is, actually. A, a friend of mine was uh, doing a race with me and didn't have enough salt in their system one time. And uh, I think it cost us this endurance race, the, the big W, at least the podium. Well, for sure. Lessons were learned, that's for sure. Yeah. I see you've increased your salt intake. Yeah. What do they put, extra salt in these? Yeah, they're salted seeds. They are. I think you have changed your nutrition a little bit in the last few years. I don't know if that race was a catalyst for it or if that uh, just happened and then you changed it for another reason. Well, the biggest thing I, I took away from it was how much salt I, you know, sweat out, excrete from my body whenever I'm doing something, which is a lot more than a normal person. So I need more salt than most or at least some type of tablets but having a nutritionist on hand i mean that really helped me get dialed in do you feel that that's in all things or just endurance like do you are you a sweaty guy in like strength training too i think so just like in your day-to-day yeah i open up the door sometimes and walk to my car and by the time i get in it's like sweat yeah i think it's hard for a lot of guys to kind of self-assess until they have that like they have that issue and then they can look at it and go, okay, well, what went wrong here? You know, and luckily that was like a friendly competition that we were doing. But I think for a lot of guys that could have been, you know, on an operation or whatever it is when they cramp up or bonk out or whatever you want to call it in an endurance event. I think a lot of guys have to hit that in order to like figure out the way that they're going to dial in their nutrition operationally, if that makes sense. I mean, softly dials it in with all the phases of how you guys address people and occupations where they need to have that stuff, right? Good nutrition, good workout plans to get to where you're going, to do what you want to do for as long as you possibly can. And then, you know, a lot of people, they want to, they want to, they want to do their own thing. Like they'll take your advice, they'll listen to what you say, but then they'll do their own thing. And they kind of, a lot of people do need that like almost a wake up call, right? We're like, oh no, I got it. I don't need 
whatever it is or what we see a lot is that there's this you know a fad diet or a a cool thing to do of the day like right now it's carnivore is what i'm seeing a lot of guys do and um you know for better or for worse especially when you're like an operational guy it's hard to do that and so I, I see guys doing their own thing until they have that moment where you know they bonk out or hopefully like they see a friend that either cramped out on an event and they can assess why that happened or um you know whatever it was heat stroke not pushing enough hydration not eating enough that's one where i see a lot of guys in endurance events is just not eating by the clock right so we should do something that like drives that home for people yeah i think it'd be cool like we're doing the shoot house deal here if we started doing endurance events that you know like a lower barrier to entry maybe it's not necessarily uh, a competition that scares people away but a lower barrier to entry endurance event kind of like that one we did that was to me that was like a pickup league endurance event um but mirrored after this the the shoot house that we plan on doing where it's you know kind of just brilliance in the basics maybe that's like a run swim run or something like that like we did um, and let people get out and you know like knock off the rust kind of feel a little taste of what they used to do without getting too uncle rico about it where it's like oh back in 82 i could throw football a quarter mile over them their heels yeah and if we have some type of endurance event that lets people um test that a little bit better than like their day-to-day -day workouts i think there's a lot of benefit there give people the opportunity to pressure test what they think right looks like yeah, because a lot of people don't realize, you know, everybody wants to do CQB. It's the, you know, it's not a new thing, but it's the cool thing right now. And they don't realize as when you do that as a professional, you've got to get to where you're actually going to conduct that operation, right? You've got to walk. Um, you know, sometimes you get lucky and you get a helicopter or a, a car ride, <laughs> a truck ride there. But a lot of times you're walking, you know, 10, 15, 20 kilometers just to get to the target. And... You know, it doesn't look sexy in an Instagram reel, but that stuff's at least as important as what you're actually doing on the target. I agree. Speaking of that, you want to see if we still got it? Yes, I do. You ready to uh, kit up? Yeah. Right. Get our guns and knock this thing out. Yeah, let me just get these ears in. Dude, my back hurts so bad getting out of this truck. So we talked about it briefly out there, though, when we touched on fitness. Oh, Jesus I want Christ. to get back to rubbing your butt cheeks on the side of the that came out incorrectly. Talking about no, it came out. That's exactly what you wanted to talk about. No. Side of the highway because you cramped up yeah. and fucked us in a race. Okay, well, yeah. you're right. I cost this because we were pretty fast out of the water. Now I got my head down because is that what you want to do to me? Second place. Yep. Okay, you know what? I'm we, over it. We were in second. No, no, no. But That's there's over. a learning point that we could there's take There's a learning point. I talked about it out there. I lose an incredible amount of salt okay. if it's an endurance type of thing. Yeah. 
So I know I need some salt tablets. But you had done other endurance before this in the train up and doing other things. I think that food source availability was a big part of it. Because you had a really strict dialed diet plan going into that. And me, when I'm going into endurance, I'm just, I eat it all. Yeah. I don't have a strict diet plan. It's like I have a calorie count that I'm trying to hit and that supports my training, but it's however I have to get that, right? So if that's loaves of bread, then that's what I'm eating or, or just whatever's available. But we went out to dinner the night before and you're like, this isn't on my meal plan, man. Yeah. I think you ate dinner. Well, I mean, I was doing Himalayan sea salt instead of like iodized salt. You need some of that stuff in your diet, right? And yeah. that's a balanced moderation conversation. I think that's the theme. Anytime you're talking about something, that should be the theme of it is balance and moderation. But to your point, I got a buddy who said he's a multi-purpose engine. He can run off of any kind of fuel. You could put fucking cooking oil in him right. and he'll get going. Yeah. If he's a fine-tuned race car like some of our friends or at that moment like I was, you're only going to run off of so much. Right. Yeah. And so I think building your diet around, and I'm not saying every day should be Burger King. But building your diet plan when you are, a, you were very lean at that time, very lean around the idea that calories in and hitting a, a macro count is the goal more so than like this super dialed and whether that I don't, you weren't doing keto or anything. No, no, no. I don't do any of like the fad diets. Yeah. But some guys will get so into, well, I'm doing only keto. And then when that food source isn't present, especially if we're talking operational guys, to me, it's crazy. Like you have to build your diet around something that can carry you across different continents and mission sets and platforms. You know, there's nobody really uh, in, on the DOD side that's only going to do this one thing. Right? Yeah. Like they could get a call, hey, you've got to walk 20K to get to where you're going or you've got to swim or fin or dive or whatever it is. If it's in their capabilities wheelhouse, you can't have your stuff so dialed. You've got to be a multi-fuel engine. Yeah, absolutely. And you can still pay attention to what you eat and pick the right things, right? But Absolutely. again, like you travel around, you you only have what you have. Like, are there any vegan dudes that, that you know of in the community? Uh, I had one in my last team. He was vegetarian, not vegan. Okay. But he had a hard time at times getting, you know, the things, because he, he still tried to eat clean, right? He wasn't living on Oreos. He was still trying to get the things he wanted to get. So like in Africa, he had a really hard time getting exactly what he wanted from like a good reputable source and kind of that's just a, a problem I, that may have been more of an issue of us not catering to him now that i think of it but <laughs> um, he never right. had a performance issue but I, I from my experience the vegetarian vegan side those guys have been to me they eat dirtier than like the carnivore guys like the carnivore guys to me are the ones that will run into issues like good luck getting two pounds of meat every day in like the wilds of Africa or Afghanistan, like wherever it is that you're going to go in an operational environment, right? And so those guys to me, when they're like, I only eat, you know, meat and blueberries, it's like, well, that's not a sustainable operation. Yeah, it works now, right? Yeah, yeah. and then what? <clears throat> what's your body going to do when you've got to live off of like MREs or the local economy or whatever it is? And so I think you have to build some of that planning into what you're going to do. Cause, and, and those are usually the guys that are so neurotic about things that it kind of derails their whole life, it seems like, when their diet derails and they can't just live on that carnivore diet or whatever the, the hot button of the day is. I mean, I guess it's your career field too, right? Like if, if you're moving around and about and you're all over the world, 
you should be a little bit more flexible in what you can eat. You should experiment with those things too, so you know. Because if you're very particular about things and they don't have them in a certain place, you should find a substitute beforehand if it's important to you. For people here in the country, you know, the first responder guys, like they can have a pretty, you know, a dedicated you know, like routine, right? They can have a dedicated routine. What I see a lot with those, like the law enforcement side, that's usually who I end up talking to because I do the shooting stuff on. Uh, social media and those guys will talk, hey, what about my diet and all this? And law enforcement, those guys are sitting in a car so much that a lot of them have an issue with, you know, basically modulating like when they can eat. Their sleep schedule is usually really terrible, mm -hmm. right? Doing shift work, same with firefighters. And so those guys are, <clears throat> from what I've seen, either like one side of the spectrum, super neurotic where they have everything planned out and weighed out to the T, which is great. Or they're like, no, nah, man, I just swing through Burger King when I get hungry. But I have seen a few guys, uh, like there's this guy who, he's a um, Maricopa County Sheriff's de deputy, and he also gives away skateboards. So we like donated some skateboards to him to give away to uh, some at-risk at youth. He had been a bodybuilder when he was in the army, like as a hobbyist. And so his thing is that he tries to eat as clean as he can, but he lives off of like, quote unquote, the local economy. So like he's, he makes the better decisions. Hey, I'm going to get a salad at Burger King. I'm going to hit Chipotle or whatever it is. Uh, he's not so dialed where he's got his little like box lunch every day. And if he can't make it, he's kind of screwed. And he's not the other side of that equation where he's eating, you know, two double whoppers every day for lunch. For sure. So the I think that's the answer. It's just like something yeah. that's principled and malleable that makes sense. And, and, and we were talking kind of about access like what people have wherever they go access also is the access to information so it's good to have a nutritionist that you can consult with right. to talk to you about those things the sedentary jobs don't need so many carbs right but we all need carbs and carbs everybody has this thing about carbs if, if you don't do anything you don't need them because you don't have that to burn off but right. if you're doing yeah, more so stuff then you need more so who helps you dial in with dial in what that ratio should be you know right. yeah which obviously not plugging our app, but there's either apps that do that or a nutritionist. And then having the education today's customer or, or just individual, I think is very educated in what they need, right? Like the information's out there, it's free, it's easy to gather up, but it's on them to actually seek it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I should know because you know, I've been rocking with you guys for a while, but you should be able to talk to a nutritionist. Should anybody be able to talk to a nutritionist or you have to do it just through the app? Uh, we, we do feel, comments for our nutritionists yeah. uh, we do but then you know like most law enforcement agencies that are larger they have somebody like all the operational units they have somebody on staff that you can talk to just whether or not you want to go get it but let's get this room cleared yeah we should we should absolutely get this room. you want to go first uh i will let you go mm -hmm. first i'll go me you all right next room let's stack up all right All right, safe and hang. One of the things that you were talking about outside, you were talking about, uh, you know, the phases, the kind of like life cycles, yeah. post-career. Guys never talk about, guys are so obsessed with getting into a career field or staying in a career field. They don't think about what it takes to, to get to that point of retirement or even if you're just looking at transitioning into another job, right? Like how do you stay healthy to do the job for as long as you possibly can, because we all want to, 
well, I want to do this shit forever if we can, right? Like, right, that's the goal. That right. absolute and, and goal. And a unit, that's their goal, right? Is they invested whatever, however many millions, depending on where you are, in you to get you to that level. And their goal is like, can we get this guy here for 30 years? I mean, if they could keep you for 100 years, they would, right? Yeah. They've already invested the money. Um, and, and I think one of the things you see is like, is body composition matters when you look at things over time. Right. So like at one point we all wanted to get as big as we could. Right. Like at like at my peak, I was 225 pounds. I'm down to like 205, 200 right now. I remember you being a lot bigger like 10 years ago. And then we all kind of went like, man, this hurts. And, and so body composition for, for me was one of the ways that I looked at it. And went, my knees don't know the difference between 225 of muscle and 225 of fat. They just know 225 on them. Right. And so. When I, I actually dropped weight, I dropped from 225 down to 200 flat for a knee surgery. And um, I felt so much better, right? Like my back didn't hurt, my, I wasn't as sore walking around, I had better mobility. And so that made me change my thought process a little bit because I had always thought, and I still think the pinnacle is when you are as strong as you can be and able to like keep the pace, right? Like as strong as you can be, but you can still move at whatever that you know, selection criteria, ruck marches, however you want to say you hit your wickets for cardio. And it was like, just get as strong as you can after that. And now we know, of course, that it's not quite like that, right? Like you've got to be working on your mobility. You've got to be looking at longevity. Like how do you stay not just in the game, but able to live your life after you're done all of this? Right. It's, it's so cool to be able to walk around with your team and everybody looks like they play in the NFL, but that's not they what we were that big. Well, I mean, but, but there's, te- there's groups of guys and there's teams of guys that do because they think yeah, that yeah. that's to look the part, I, you know, size, size matters in that aspect and, yeah. and bigger is better, but that's not necessarily the case, right? Because a mountain goat doesn't look like a, a buffalo. And I, I think some of it depends on like, what is your mission set yeah. for sure? Like, what is the combat environment? Like when we had the global war on terrorism, a lot of guys lumped that all together. But if you were running around in the street in a city, that's way different than the mountains. And we have both of those environments going at the same time. And so I think tailoring your your training just a little bit, you know, you still have to be strong, you still have to be fast, but then you can tailor it to, okay, I know I can get a little bit on the bigger side because we're gonna be focused on DA, not too big, but you wanna stay working, your mobility, your cardio has to be good, and you don't wanna detract from those things too much. I think that takes a lot of maturity too for the guy. Right, like you show up to a unit and you're like, dude, these guys are all jacked. And you're like, I gotta get jacked too. And what you don't realize is all those dudes hurt because of the things that they've been doing, how heavy they are, how big, or whatever. And then what I've seen is like guys ramp up into the size, kind of like you and I did, and then you kind of like ramp it. You back realize, down yeah, because you're like, hey man, maybe I I can lose 20 pounds. I'm still really strong. I can move better. My mobility doesn't suffer. Right, and that lets me climb a ladder a little bit quieter and smoother. It lets me walk a little bit further without being fatigued or whatever that is. It needs to be part of the culture that you get introduced to. And it already, it's like that now, right? It's not the, the run as fast as the fastest guy, lift as heavy as the heaviest guy, like I said before. But now we have coaches that you can talk to. A, a, an older guy should not, who might be bigger because he's carrying more weight just because it came with age, because that happens sometimes. Sure. Sometimes young guys fall in love with that stuff. You know, you're, you're skinny coming out of boot camp and all your initial training and and you maintain that your first four to six years some people put on a little bit more weight i do think it has to be job specific but the it has to be cultural that that older guys tell the younger guys like go get dialed in with your nutritionist 
Go right. figure out what works, what works for you. Go see the coach. Go and, and find out about you because everybody's body is different. And when you talk about body composition, I mean, I know recon Marines that run, you know, perfect physical fitness tests and they don't look, they don't have six packs, eight packs, 12 packs. They might have a K, yep. but, but it's just something genetic too. Um, so, you know, well, I, I think, think there's genetics and then they're not training to look good. They're trying to perform well. Right. right? So they're worried about their run time, their ruck time, their swim time, their fin time. They don't care what their, you know, how big their biceps are, or if they have yeah. abs or whatever that is. Uh, whereas, you know, some of the guys, like we've all seen them, they just, they look like bodybuilders and then they couldn't move with a ruck or whatever yeah. it was. And, and so the reality, reality to me, like recon guys doing that, like that's very specific to that mission set in my opinion and that fits. Um, but that's kind of when you and I were part of that culture shift generation where we came in and the guys that were there, they were the, we're going to run till we can't run. We're going to swim till we can't swim. We're going to do pull-ups till we can't do pull-ups. And that was it. Well, they're, right. they're playing for seconds and minutes and we're playing for hours and days. Right. And yeah. sometimes the seconds and minutes count. And so that's an argument that I've had with specifically a friend of mine who was in the NFL. And he's like, dude, you can't over, like there's weight classes for a reason, right? So when it comes to like going hands-on with somebody, he's like, you can't overcome 50 pounds with skill. And it, which is a generality, but it's pretty true, right? If you're, 200 pounds fighting somebody that's 150, it's really hard to overcome that that weight gap and power gap. But I think for us that is so rare and the pendulum swung so far the wrong way. And now I think guys are seeing it come back. And it's also become a culture of fitness from what I've seen, not so much a culture of, you know, the guys, I, I'll never say they're not hard anymore, but it, it is not the epicenter of the culture. Whereas when you and I came in, it was like, you know, oh, Gunny's going to go run us until we can't run and he's going to keep running, right? It was, it was just about being hard, not necessarily fit. Yeah. And, and so I, the young guys have that culture of fitness. It's the, the, the smarter, not harder thing. I want to be capable of doing a multitude of things. The full spectrum of the job, I want to be able to hit all of those. And I want to be able to be on both extreme ends of that spectrum at any given time. That's how you should be at the height of your career. Like that's, that's performance. Yeah. And you have to be good. Like we've all known those guys. We could name a dozen of them right now where you're like, dude, I can't outrun that guy and I can outlift him and I cannot outswim him. He's just a freak show. Right. And so we all strive to be that. But like you said, genetics, I, I don't want to blame genetics, but genetics play a part, but also what that guy did. Like I didn't, I wasn't athletic for 20 years of my life, right? The first time I did 20 pull-ups was when I showed up and everybody in recon school did 20 pull-ups in the line in front of me. I was like, fuck, I've never done 20 pull-ups before. I guess I do 20 now. So I, I didn't have that base of like, wasn't an all-star athlete. And I learned it to get into the recon community and then learned how to stay in the recon community. But what those guys did for the first 20 years of their life, you know, they were great football players or soccer players or whatever it was. I think that is more responsible for their success than their genetics, right? Within, within reason. No, I, it makes a lot of sense. I think you hit it right on the head. Um, I appreciate your honesty. You want to stack up and hit the next room? Yeah. All right, cool. Yep. Safe and hang. It was, um, it's cliche, but it makes sense, right? Brilliance in the basics. Right. I mean, you make an L and you win. You make an L and you win.
Yeah. Exactly. It's like those basic tactics. Everybody sees this stuff and they think it's the coolest thing in the world. It's the sexiest thing in the world. And people want to do things because of the way they look and not because of what's actually behind it and what they actually do. If this was a world of people understanding exactly what it takes to get into this room here today where we're standing, I feel like the world would be a better place. Well, I think the issue is in the, like in the gun community, I'm going to relate it to the car world because everybody drives a car. Guys see the car, the race car being driven, right? It's these cool guys doing CQB in a movie or whatever it is. And they're like, I'm going to go do that. They don't know how the car is, is built, right? Or how that guy more appropriately learned how to drive the car. And so they neglect their fundamentals of marksmanship and the basics there. They negate the like true tactics and don't understand why, why is one guy going to one corner and another guy's going to another corner? Like they just jump to the front of the line because you can, right? You can order the gun, the kit, the helmet, the night vision. You can order all that online if you got a credit card. No, it makes perfect sense. I mean, we, we've, we've been living that life of, you know, you do see something, you, you aspire to be something. I, I wasn't always a, a recon Marine or a Raider. That, that's something that I, I, I saw those things happening in front of me and I saw the people that were doing it. And like everybody else, I saw videos and all that. Some people join and know exactly what they want to do. Right. I was just trying to, you know, I was just trying to get in. I was just trying to get in. And then when I got in, it's like, oh, these are the things. This is all this stuff. But then when you get there, it's like people saying, like, it's, everybody wants to do cool guy shit until it's time to do cool guy shit. Right. It takes a lot to get to that point. Right. It, it takes a lot of, like, I I was a terrible Marine, so I don't talk about, like, basic no, you weren't, shit dude. very no. much. But you know I was. No. Uh, I should have failed you. You. Uh, I'm just kidding. You go to, you know. In the very beginning, you go and dry fire for a week, right? Like, that's how the Marine Corps introduces you to a rifle. And I think if everybody walked back to that of, like, man, you just got to you gonna take that rifle and all you're going to do is, is shoot without bullets for a week, that's maybe an extreme version. But if people walked back to that where it's, like, the only thing that matters right there is body position, sight alignment, sight picture, and trigger control, right? Like, everything else, like, all of it kind of is tertiary, breathing, all of that. But it's just the basic foundation and then you go up from there, right? And so the people now, they wanna cut out those initial basic steps. They don't wanna learn how to shoot a rifle at 500 meters with iron sights, where it's like all the basics have to be perfectly dialed or you can't hit a man-sized target. Well, it's easier, you can go to Walmart and get a rifle off the shelf that you could shoot a thousand meters with. And yeah. so a lot of people cut out those basic middleman steps, whether that's CQB, pistol range, whatever it is. Yeah, and I appreciate that too. It was humbling to shoot, you know, in boot camp, shooting at 500 meters. Yeah. I'm a city boy. It's not like I grew up shooting a lot of guns, You've right? You've never seen 500 meters before. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't see past all those skyscrapers, right? Yeah. So, but doing that stuff made me appreciate these things now and shooting at closer distances because I knew, I understood what that gun did out there. Right. And then as you move in, it's like, well, if you can deal with it out there and all the things that go into shooting, windage, elevation, making those adjustments, not just on on a scope weapon, but on right iron top. sights, yep. you come in here and you can really dial it in. Yeah. And, and that's what I'm saying. Like people don't know what it takes to get to, to get truly good at something. Right. You gotta, you yourself have to start with yourself, right? Yeah. And work on your physical fitness, get your nutrition dialed in, all the things that we talked about, all of those right. things. And then learning this weapon inside and out, working your way out on in, right. and then getting really good inside, right? Because after a while you stop having to worry about this and it becomes, it becomes intuitive right. and then you're just problem solving from there. Right. Yeah. Where it becomes second nature, where it was just kind of the goal of this is we can bring guys in where it used to be second nature and maybe it's not because they haven't done this in 
two years, 10 years, whatever it is, right? And we can come back, we give them a couple dry runs on the basics, and then we go, hey man, like let's go do it live and have a conversation while we do it. Oh, I love that. I love the idea of that. Plus, you know, like I said out there, it's getting dudes dialed in, right? You get, yeah. We're all getting dialed in, you know, doing this run right here, it's a lot of things are, are in my mind, you know, you should be able to ready, be ready to pick up a gun and go at any given time. It's, yeah. it, you have to start somewhere to get there. We all know that. But it's good to come in here and do it because you're putting that stuff to the test. Yeah, and it's cool to me. Like a, a lot of guys that are into guns, it's hard to get without looking like a weirdo that's prepping for the end of the world. It's hard to get a group of guys together where you can like train together. Um, and it kind of brings up a point that I've talked about a lot. And there's two things that, that matter, right? The individual and the team. And so... Your draw time doesn't matter if you're going against a better team, but how good your team is doesn't how good your team is doesn't matter if that guy's got like the best draw time, right? And so, you know, if your team can't hit what they're shooting at, and this guy skims that smoke wagon and burns you all down, and so in my mind, you're always at odds with those two concepts of like the tactics matter more than the individual, but the individual is what bolsters the organization that drives the tactics, and so. This is the best environment, in my opinion, that you bring both of those levels up because you're working both. Yeah. You have to work with somebody else. And then in order to get decent shots on the target, you've got to be working <laughs> the super basic fundamentals. Right. That it's, it's a maturity thing, right, for guys to understand that, you know, to be good at all these things, you has, as an individual have to make that decision to work on those things. Right. And then that makes you good in the collective group. Yeah. And it's hard, too, when you're like out, like I'm out it's hard to get access to a facility like this, right? Where you can actually come in here and do this with your friends, but you know, you don't, I'm not, I'm not a prepper mentality guy. Like for me, fitness has always been what carried me through. When everything else went to hell in a handbasket, it was like, well, you could walk out of here, right? And so I'm not a big prepper guy because I know what I'm capable of and have done in the past with this. But the reality is if you're not shooting a lot, then you're just fatiguing and, and all of those skill sets are going away. And so this, you know, again, I'm excited we can bring guys out here, we bring them on the podcast, and we run them through the shoot house for a day or two. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, and it's our responsibility to make sure everybody does it in a safe environment, right? So they understand everybody's watching this stuff, and they think they could just go in their backyard. We're not. We're at a legit training facility. Yeah, no, no my backyard looks like this. With, with all the right things. I wish my backyard looked like this. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh. No, but it's it's uh it's fun, and then the kind of the other piece to this is that your gear doesn't really your gear matters. It's got to be safe and reliable, but the flavor of the day like doesn't quite matter, right? Uh, it's true. Fads like the, they're not long lasting; they're short lived. So yeah. understanding everything in its entirety to make the decisions off of what you want to buy or what you pick out, it shouldn't just be you look at a picture of somebody and you're like, I want all those things. Yeah. You should at least be asking the questions. Is like why does he have that thing there and what does that do, right? Not just, okay, I looked it up, I see the brand, I'm going online and buying it. It's on sale, I'm buying two of them. And for what you're doing, like, you, guys get so caught up in the gear and like, what's the cool new piece? But like, we're both Raiders, we we're both Recon before that. Those are specific mission sets with specific gear requirements. So when somebody looks and they're like, why would you have, you know, a one to eight power optic or a one to 10 power optic on a, 10 and a half inch barrel like I had at one point, there's a thought process that goes into that. And so one of the issues now is everything's on the internet. And so guys will see, they're like, I saw a picture of a Raider standing in Afghanistan holding this weird wazoo gun setup. And they don't realize exactly what he was doing is why he built that gun setup for that, that deal, right? And that's organizationally 
and mission dependent. And right. It can vary drastically. I think a lot of guys just don't realize that. Yeah, I mean, it also, I mean, it, there's a lot of considerations too, right? Like the ammo, it, what it's optimized for, all those kinds of things. Right. Those are things that people need to know before they start making decisions that are going to impact them in a negative way. Right. And just what do you have available? Like if yeah. the unit says, hey, you can only wear a brown JPC. It's like, well. You wear a brown JPC until you go buy one. You wear the multi-cam one like we did. Yeah, or you spray paint it or whatever you're going to do. Right. Um, signature management matters, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a reason why, why all the patterns, they, they come in all these different fancy little arrays. It all matters. And again, it's funny when people don't understand that and then they make the decisions and they purchase right. certain things. And yeah, now here they are and you got, you know, yeah, you got black multi-cam bottoms and you got a, you know, tiger stripe top and then you got whatever. It's, it's, it's not like you just, it looks like you grabbed it out of a dumpster, but there should be more thought to it, right? Yeah, the environment. The dumpster fire. <laughs> yeah. The environment, the capability of the enemy. People don't think about those things. No. No. They just want the cool new thing. But yeah. let's get this last room knocked out and then yeah. let's talk about uh, some gear setups. Yeah. Let's do it. Safe hang? Safe hang. Safe hang. Why do I keep repeating it? I don't know. That's up to you, man. I don't know. You call, me. call me Danny two times, because I say everything two times. Two times. All right, I want to hear about this gun setup you got. Oh, uh, well, I'm trying out some new stuff. So I'm used to, I, I like just running a, a, a red dot, um, but everything has a purpose, right? Like here we are, CONUS, you, are, you know, there's not an, an eminent threat. This isn't like my home defense gun or anything like that. I don't, that's, we'll do that another time, right? But I wanted to, to try out getting used to a, a variable, variable power scope because I'm used to just throwing a red dot with a magnifier on it. And that's how I'll be able to glass like something. can or anything like that, like the kind of hybrid weird stuff. I remember when we, when we first got them and we were testing them out and then everybody got them in the team. I had it on my gun for a little bit, but um, the EOTech was just, I'm a creature of comfort. Yeah. And I think a lot of people laugh when they see like. And it was familiar, right? Well, it's familiar. Yeah. It is, right? But, but everything serves a purpose. The, the thing is, is that people will laugh if they see that I kept a, an EOTech on my gun, even going out and deploying Afghanistan when, you know, it's easy to get into something 200 now even, right? Oh, yeah. 200 is close. But what people forget about is that, you know, there's a way to use your dot in a way that you can. You can shoot yeah. it at distance. It's not, it's, not, it's not what it's designed for, but it has that right. capability of doing it. The other thing is, is how many other guys in the team are there that have glass? People yeah, have to get you dialed in. Or whatever right, is. people have glass. They're getting you dialed into things. Yeah. It's like, you know, everybody likes to, everybody thinks that if, if I get vectored in on a threat, now it's, if there's 20 people out there, 20 people are shooting at that one threat. Now, would you do, like, did you... We all had two guns. You had a long barrel and a short barrel. Were you the guy like you always just grabbed your EOTech on a short barrel? Or did you kind of do like a quick mission analysis? Like, all right, we're going to stay out over a day or, you know, whatever. I'm going to grab a long barrel. Did you do that much or not really? There were times where I didn't do it. Then I learned, I got more mature and I understood that, you know, there's a reason why we have those longer barrels and, right. you know, shooting 77 grain, 77 grain out of it and, and you know, maintaining that, that, you know, feet, certain feet per second, that's something that's important 
right. for certain so missions. A little bit of distance. Right. So you, would, I mean, like later deployments, you would kind of go through that. And dude, my gear, analysis. my gear from you know from OIF one to you know to today, right? Like my thoughts on gear have completely changed. The mission dictates. So I mean, you, you got to analyze it first. They give us stuff for a reason, but it's nice to have one setup that you can use for things. Sometimes yeah. you have to adjust it. I, I kept that red dot set up, and what I would do is I would just put a piece of glass in my pocket, so if I needed to glass yeah, something to confirm something, yeah, yeah, keep something. So, I mean, now I'm meeting the requirement that I need. It's not all here on my gun. Later on, I started wearing, you know, having the, the, uh, a magnifier on the gun, yeah. but I, I just kind of started to learn how to work with what I had, and people forget, you know, guys were doing this stuff on iron sights, so everybody gets really, yeah. Well, Hyper, it's I need a one by ten, too, right? Like, do you want to load up? You know, let's say you don't have a ton of cash. Do you want to load up ten grand on a credit card for a home defense rifle, or are you going to go with iron sights and a flash? You know, and there's a yeah. sliding scale there, right? And so, for the guy buying his own stuff, I think it's worth noting, like, well, what are you going to use the rifle for? Like, I, you know, one of the the rifle I've had the longest at home aside from hunting rifles, but the AR I've had the longest has a variable power optic because I use it for coyote hunting. I'll go shoot you know, gun drills. I've taught CQB courses. It's kind of, it does everything. So for me, it's easy. It's like that thing's always in the gun safe. I know I can just kind of grab. And so I do think there's something to be said for like, beware the man of one rifle, right? Like, right. If that dude knows that one gun, I think there's something something to be said for it. But also like, times change you know you don't want to be that guy in an h harness in 2010 <laughs> right like everybody else has right. jbz's and stuff for a reason you don't have to just wear chucks or jungle boots right like the the technology and footwear changes the technology and firearms and optics all that stuff changes it's important to, to know the the purpose that it serves if you're going to be at greater distances and you need to be able to see things from far away then you need to have some type of power some right. type of magnification some type of glass if you're a lot of things that you're doing are all up close and never, you never have to, you just all of a sudden appear there, then you just need your dot. That's why a lot of people have the 45 degree offsets, right? Like, right. so now you have the best of both I worlds. You can have crazy magnification. Comes play, right? but Weight comes into play. When you've got a 20 pound gun you're lugging around. That's true. Like this thing's got the, uh, the iron sights that are fixed. They're not like pop up. Yeah. They're just fixed iron sights, which is kind of cool because if this, Red dot did fail. You're immediately in your sights. So it's and this is a borrowed gun, but I'm just looking at it. You know, it was put together with uh, some forethought, um, and and that's what I like to see in people's gun setups. If they're buying their own one, are they doing it within their means? Because to me, it's insane that people would go into like crazy credit card debt to have a Gucci rifle setup. So like, one, are you within your means? That's to me what I think people should start with. But two is like some forethought into your setup and. Like the EOTech thing, I ran one EOTech for a long time, and I was I was like, why is everybody an EOTech hater? I've never had an issue, and then I killed three, like back to back to back to back. And so then I switched to, and I know we don't want to talk brands, but I switched my Red Dot company. But it's funny, because for a long time, like I was kind of in your shoes, where mm -hmm. I was like, man, I've had an EOTech for so long, why would I do something else? I know this very well. I'm not really getting much capability, but then I had to get a new one and that one died. And then the next two died after. You, you know how it is. I'll give you my EOTech story too. And I stuck with EOTech, but I guess maybe I'm just pigheaded. But um, <laughs> we change environments all the time, right? And if you're at altitude, yeah. you got to deal with that temperature. If you're on the ground, you could be in the desert and you know it could be freezing. 
up at altitude, and then it could be, you know, over 100 degrees on the ground, right? right. For, for some environments that we're in, ocean, right, being on ships, all that kind of stuff. That connector, that battery connector inside the older EOTEX, that thing, you change your batteries and that thing would be attached to the battery and you then what, it. right? Yeah, yeah. so yeah, I, I have stories about that for another time, but in general, that, that happened to me and I still stuck with it, but obviously they improved it over time too. Yeah, well, and I think too, like guys always talk about the carbine, um, but you know, there's other setups we've all had, like mm -hmm. battle rifles. Like I know Doug is a hater on the SCAR, and I had nothing but great things to say about the SCAR heavy that I had because I just used it as a battle rifle, man. It wasn't a DM gun for me. Right. It was a little bit heavier of a round, and I still had I had the shorty. So, you know, it, it changes per environment and not necessarily buying into everything you hear hype wise whether it's secondhand or whatever that being said there's you know testing and evaluation data on something that says this sucks then all right it sucks but you know figuring out what your exact setup is and then why you would use it um i think is important but the reality is at the end of the day if you make an l you're gonna win anyway i, I got nothing on that i mean we still got to clear these things out um we should do this more though for sure yeah, I think we need to bring some other guests on, maybe. Yeah, for sure. You got to <laughs> get different opinions, right? Yeah, people don't just want to look at you and I. They're lost. They're lost, for sure. All right, so if you guys liked the video that we did today, go ahead and like and subscribe. We'll be doing more of these in the future.